and welcome to episode 23 of this Bible study podcast series, Reading Through the Gospel of Luke. So glad you're here with me again today as we begin chapter 11 in the Gospel of Luke. We have verses 1 through 28. Now that is a slight change from the original reading plan if you have been following that along with that. We were going to do through verse 32, but as I was kind of planning through and looking at my notes. I have a lot that I want to say about the sign of Jonah, which we'll cover tomorrow, that we would have covered it today. But Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 28 is what we've got today. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit, open up our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. He was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey and I have nothing to offer him. He says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give him the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He was driving out a demon that was mute, and when the demon had gone out, the mute person spoke, and the crowds were amazed. Some of them said, By the power of Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he drives out demons. Others, to test him, asked him for a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be laid waste, and house will fall against house. And if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that it is by Beelzebul that I drive out demons. If I then drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your own people drive them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his palace, his possessions are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks and overcomes him, he takes away the armor on which he relied and distributes the spoils. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of someone, it roams through arid regions and searching for rest, but finding none, it says, I shall return to my home from which I came. But upon returning, it finds it swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and brings back seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, who move in and dwell there, and the last condition of that person is worse than the first. And while he was speaking, a woman from the crowd called out and said to him, Blessed is the womb that carried you, and the breasts at which you nursed. He replied, Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so we begin with this is Luke's session, Luke's section on prayer right here in Luke 11, where we had the Lord's Prayer, which probably looks pretty familiar with us. So we'll talk about it a little bit. Jesus' is, section of teaching on prayer. So Jesus is praying, and we find the disciples in just a, a pure, genuine moment that is great, and I think is incredible for us. The disciples see Jesus praying and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Um, and then he gives them he gives them this, this prayer for them to pray. He says, pray like this, which is, of course, as we just read through it, and this is, it sounds a little bit different than the usual Lord's Prayer that most of us know, the one that I'll, I'll pray at the end of each one of these episodes. Uh, that is Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew's Gospel, which is the one that we most commonly use. It's a little bit more fleshed out, a few more, a few extra words in there. Um, but this one, all the same, is the words of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. So let's go through it. Let's go through each line a little bit. He begins, Father, which we begin, we begin our time in prayer as Jesus instructs us to look at God as my Father, that's relational, that I approach God as, as a child to a parent. We say, Father, hallowed be your name, holy, revered, praised, adored are you, God, is what hallowed means. We say, your kingdom come. Maybe in some ways, this is kind of a messianic thing, that it totally coincides with Jesus' preaching of the kingdom of God is at hand. And we say to, to God, may it be done. May your kingdom come. And we pray, give us each day our daily bread. Which maybe as uh, sounds like it could be a a manna reference. I think this is this is one that we could talk plenty about of any of the lines in the Lord's Prayer. I love talking about this line, but maybe in some ways it's a, a reference to manna. So in the book of Exodus, chapter sixteen, it talks about the manna, the bread from heaven that God would leave on on the face of the earth every day for the Israelites in Egypt. And so in some way we're kind of saying along those lines like God nourish us each day physically, like you did for the for the Israelites in the wilderness with the manna. But the translation of the, I have when I first read this, I think that this is so neat. When I, the translation of give us each day our, our daily bread. The word daily is translated. The Greek word is epiousios. Give us each day our epiousios bread, which means uh, in some ways super substantial. Uzias is like essence or, or substance, and epi is like above or over, so it's like a, a super something more than substance, super substantial. Which what kind of what kind of bread would that be? What would be a super substantial bread? Maybe some kind of new manna? But what probably rings a bell for us is this is this is the Eucharist. This is so Eucharistic. This is, give us each day our, our super substantial bread. What is the super stub, substantial bread that we receive? The body and blood of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist that not only feeds us physically, but feeds us spiritually and nourishes us for this journey that we are now on in our wilderness of life until we reach the promised land is this daily bread, this super substantial bread of the Eucharist. And we pray, Lord, nourish us physically, and nourish us spiritually and give us all that we need in your son in the Eucharist and feed us spiritually this day. Um, we, we pray, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, which totally 
coincides with the consistent theme of, of Jesus' preaching of repentance. It's a prayer of repentance. Forgive us our sins, asking God for mercy. And then we say, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. Which is an interesting way that this is phrased, because I think what's implied is, in some ways, like a, a challenge from Jesus, that could we pray this honestly? For we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. Do I forgive everyone in debt to me? Uh, kind of along the lines of how we would normally pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's version is, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That as is like a kind of like an equal sign. That Lord, forgive me as much as I forgive other people. That mercy, we're, we're given mercy for the mercy that we give out. We're given forgiveness for the forgiveness that we give out. Kind of a challenge to us to to forgive others so that we may be forgiven. And finally, and do not subject us to the final test. What final test? <laughs> Which is, that's a very interesting line that Jesus finishes this prayer with. What kind of final test? I think this is really the bare, bare intro to this kind of period of testing that will come, which we'll read much more about later on uh, in later chapters when Jesus gets to Jerusalem. We'll read plenty about that. But this is the very way Jesus taught us to pray. That if we are ever like, how do I pray? Jesus gave specific words. You could simply say, And there is nothing wrong with simply reciting this prayer because they're the very words that Jesus gave his disciples to pray. So if we are ever grasping for anything, in some ways, the best prayer that we could give is simply reciting with full intention and and contemplation these words that Jesus gave us in the Lord's Prayer. But he goes on and continues to talk about prayer. And he gives kind of a, a parable to explain prayer in some ways. So he says, if you go to a friend's house at midnight and ask for bread because you someone showed up at your house, you didn't have anything for them. So like for to be hospitable to the person, you go to a friend's house at midnight. Uh, maybe this friend would help you at a convenient time, but you're, you're knocking on their door middle of the night, which makes this certainly difficult. Uh, so the person, the person, as Jesus says in the parable, it's like, I'm already in bed, the door's locked, the kids are asleep, go away, can't help you. But Jesus says, I tell you, if he does not get up to give him the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. I think kind of two things that what Jesus is saying about prayer in this parable of sorts is one, is that we should not fail, we should not hold ourselves back from going to God in desperation, moments of desperation, like the man in the parable who <clears throat> who needs food, doesn't have any, it's the middle of the night, like a difficult situation, but in desperation goes to his friend. We too should approach God in our moments of desperation like that, but that we should be persistent in prayer. I think that's the, the fundamental message of this parable here, that if we persist, God will not fail to help us. God will not fail to give us what we need if we are persistent in prayer when we come to the Lord in our place of need. Because Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. He ensures us that God will hear us. God does hear us and will grant our prayers. Which, praise God for that. But I think the question then remains... And I always read that, and the question that comes to mind for me is, 
everything we ask for? Because I think we know from ex- experience, us like if you've if you've prayed for you've certainly prayed for something before that God has not granted to you, which makes you think like I thought Jesus said, ask for what ask for whatever and you'll receive it. I think if we if we look to one of the other gospels, to the Gospel of John, it provides kind of some good clarification to this point. Where in John chapter fifteen verse seven, Jesus says, "If you abide in me." And my words abide in you. Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Similarly, Jesus says, ask for, ask for whatever you wish, ask and you will receive. But the clarification, the preface is, if we abide in him, then ask and you will receive. Because the truth about that situation is, if we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, then we are attuned to his will. We are attuned to God's will, so therefore we would ask for good things and not simply those things that are our broken and weak and human desires. Because the truth of the situation is God is not going to give us things that aren't good for us because he's a good God. Jesus even says that as, as human beings, he says, what father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? Same thing with God, that God won't give us things that aren't good for us, even if we ask for them. Like, even if we come before God and say, God, I really want this, but if he knows that that's not what's best for us, God knows what we need. And God is a good and loving Father, gives us good gifts, which is so true and so reassuring um, that ultimately what Jesus is saying here about prayer, I think could be summed up in that we should come to God in prayer, one receptive Two, expectant, and three, persistent. Receptive, open to uh, that there is a God who hears us and he He hears our prayers and that he will give us good gifts. Expectant, that God will give us whatever we ask for if we abide in him. Um, that, that God does hear us and will give us those good gifts and persistent that we continue to come to the Lord. We continue to come to prayer. And if there's something that we really desire, And if we are really receptive and attuned to the will of God, then we should come persistently to the Lord in expectant faith and not pray so small-minded and not pray so, so simply, but to pray boldly with expectant faith persistently to God if we are truly abiding in him. That's a kind of boldness in prayer that I know I definitely don't have. But as I read through this, when I was reading through the gospel, it inspired me a little bit to to begin praying for more. But that really, I think it really does truly take looking at myself and saying, how much am I abiding in Christ so that I know what good things that the Lord has in store for me? And then I can go, I can say, Lord, give me, give me this and persist in it because I, I want the good gifts that you have in store for me. May we too go boldly into prayer like this. So then Jesus Jesus gives his, his whole spiel on prayer here. We get to verse 14 where there's a, an exorcism in front of a crowd that Jesus performs. And I think it's interesting that Jesus does this in front of a crowd because we just keep seeing back and forth Jesus being like, don't tell anybody, don't tell everybody about all these cool things. But then he like does something like this in front of a crowd. It's like, Jesus, do you want people to know? Or do you not want people to know? Um, but then people in the crowd give Jesus... Two responses. The, the one is, by the power of Beelzebul, prince of demons, he drives out demons. 
How absurd of a claim is this? And Jesus essentially says that. He says, every kingdom divided against itself will be laid waste. Why would the prince of demons be driving out his own demons? It makes no sense. And Jesus kind of claps back at them too. He says, well, if you say I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive out demons? Like if if the people believe that other exorcists are casting out demons by the power of God, why would they accuse Jesus, who clearly has a great power over demons, to be acting on behalf of Satan or on Beelzebul? Which, um, by the way, what should have clarified this before, like a minute or two ago, we started talking about who is who is Beelzebul? Um, is essentially a morphed version of kind of a, a pagan god who became associated with like a, a major demon or in some ways associated with Satan uh, for for the Jews and for kind of early Christianity as we as we read this now, which is the same connection Jesus makes. They call him they call Beelzebul Prince of Demons. Jesus associate, associates him with Satan. So that's that. And then Jesus go on, goes on to say, if I am casting out this demon by the power of God, not just by, the, by, by some like demonic power, but by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What does Jesus mean by that? That if Jesus is casting out demons by the power of God, then the power of God is greater than the power of the demons and greater than the power of Satan. Again, this theme that we've talked about before, about what's one of the parts of Jesus' mission, is to overcome the dominion and the kingship of Satan. And then Jesus says, if I'm casting out these demons by the power of God, that means there is a new ruler, there is a new kingdom coming, and Jesus, by the power of God, is this new ruler in the kingdom of God. In verse 16, uh, if we take a few steps few steps back, the second thing that the crowd asks is, it says, they asked from, for a, asked from Jesus for a sign from heaven. And then he kind of gives a delayed answer, which comes in verse 29, which is what part of what we would have read today, but we'll read tomorrow about the sign of Jonah and all of that. So that, that answer is a little bit delayed. But Jesus continues to talk about demons and spiritual warfare and things of the sort. Jesus gives a, a parable of sorts again. He says, when a strong man fully armed guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Who's the strong man? I think we could interpret that as Satan. That uh, when Satan is fully armed guarding his palace, Satan is, is powerful. He's a strong, Satan is uh, tempting and he is po- powerful prince of demons. But Jesus says, but when one stronger than he attacks and overcomes him, takes away the armor on which he relies and distributes the spoils. Who's stronger than he? Jesus. Jesus uh, overcomes Satan, overcomes the power of Satan and takes away his armor, strips Satan of his tactics, that by the power of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, we can overcome the temptations of the devil. And Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. That in some way, in this kind of spiritual warfare that's going on between Jesus and Satan, in some way we have to pick sides. Which I think is true for us too, that by our actions, by our deeds and intentions, we pick sides. We're either for Jesus or we're not. And the truth that we need to remember about this this battle for us is that Jesus is stronger than he. That Jesus always is the victor. So when, when we find ourselves in those moments of picking sides, 
may we remember and have clarity uh, of who the winning side always is that we pick rightly. Uh, but Jesus does give a warning here, kind of verse 24 through 26, warning of the, the nature of uh, Satan's tactics in a way. And he kind of goes through this progression. He says, if there's an, if there's an unclean spirit, kind of a spirit of sin in a person that is overcome, like if we overcome our sin, then that spirit of sin will, will leave the person when we overcome it. And then hopefully after that, the person grows in, in virtue and receives grace, but that eventually the spirit will come back, Jesus says. And hopefully the spirit comes back, this unclean spirit, the spirit of sin comes back to find the place is swept clean and put in order, as Jesus says. Or in, an, in other words, holier, filled with more grace and grown in virtue. But to be warned, the warning Jesus gives is that even if we have grown in grace and virtue, that unclean spirit, then that sinful spirit will come back stronger against us. As he says, it'll bring back seven spirits who are more wicked than the first. And the call for us, the warning for us is to be vigilant that that sin and that evil, when the seven spirits come back, will certainly be worse than before. I think this is, I mean, this is so true for our life and our our fight against sin and against temptation, um, that it always comes back and we are, we are never fully like done with temptation, that the devil's always working in our lives. So we so desperately need to pray. We so desperately need God's grace in this fight against sin because uh, the devil's temptations are strong. Jesus calls him the strong man, but know that Jesus is stronger than he. And it's only by the grace of God. It's only by the name of Jesus and, and consistent and persistent prayer uh, that we can overcome those, those strong tactics of the devil. And kind of as a, as a wrap-up, the last two verses of this section we read is that after Jesus says all this, someone from the crowd says, Blessed is the womb that carried you and the breasts at which you nursed which is kind of a clear reference to his mom, to Mary. She says, blessed is, blessed is Mary for look, looking at you. Uh, consider your mom <laughs> in some way. But Jesus says, his response is rather, like first word he says, rather, which in some ways sounds like he's about to say some rebuke. But I think it's not a rebuke, but instead maybe a priority and an invitation that he says rather, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. It's, again, consistent with this theme that Jesus has said before of calling us to not only hear God's word, but act on it. Those who hear the word of God and observe it. Uh, this draws us back to chapter 8, when Jesus' family, his, it says his mother and his brothers were there, and Jesus kind of said a similar thing. And right here, like in chapter 8, Jesus says that observing God's word, hearing God's word and acting on it is more important than any family biology, but that observing God's word gives us in some way family ties to Jesus, makes us a part of the family of God. So we, as we hear this word today, as we read through this section that we've just read through, may we hear God's word and act on it. May we act on it by taking this to prayer praying in the way that, that Jesus invites us to, praying receptively 
expectantly and persistently in those words that he taught us, in the way that he taught us, because uh, the evil one is coming for us too. That temptations abound and sin abounds in this world, but where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And if we pray and are persistently uh, drawn close to the Lord, he always draws close to us, and Jesus is always stronger than the evil in our lives. So glad you're here with me again today. Hope you got something out of it. Can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 